Hi, everyone. It's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you with us. My next guest is Michael Beck from Michael Beck International in Hillsborough, Oregon. And uh, Michael uh, and Michael Beck International, uh, it's an executive development firm that specializes in developing successors in order to facilitate successful exit strategies. Today, we're going to talk about critical factors for successor effectiveness. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Bill, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to uh, work with experts like you. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on. I want to hear all about your topic because it's something that I find a lot of business owners deal with uh, these days. Is like, okay, I know I want to leave, and I know I, pr- I probably want to keep it on the inside here, the, the transition, but... I've got some work to do with my people and determining who's going to be an effective leader and the the strategies, I mean, especially if there's, say, I have situations with three children on the next level, how do we figure out the strategy there? So I hope we're going to talk about stuff like that. I imagine we are. Uh, but tell us a little bit about you and your firm and how you got started in this business before we get into that. Fantastic. So uh, I came from a, a really varied background. I worked uh, as an employee in small companies. I worked as an employee in large companies. I worked as an owner. Uh, I was in a partnership. And it gave me a really broad perspective of effective leadership, effective ownership, and uh, and frankly saw a lot of poor <laughs> leadership out of that. Uh, and then got into executive coaching because I felt that I could do a a greater uh, service from outside of a company than from within it. And so over the 16, 17 years I've been doing that, I've worked with business owners, worked with corporate executives, and and now we've built into an organization where I've got uh, coaches around the country and we specialize in developing successors. And uh, the, all of us are passionate about helping companies and their leaders bring out the best in people. We work with clients in the typically the $10 million to $100 million range. But we've worked with clients from every, just about every profession and industry. That's great. That's great. And um, when you say all over the world, are there specific um, areas that you have a high concentration in, in specific parts of the world? Well, I, I was saying all over the country, we have had clients in other parts of the world, but most of our clients are throughout the U.S. Uh, and, and North America, so uh, Canada as okay. well. A lot of the work yeah. we do is virtual, so it's conducted over the phone. 
and allows us to work with people anywhere they are. Yeah, it's it's people issues. I mean, it's people issues, and I would imagine that space you're talking about, Michael, that a lot of businesses, even if they don't call themselves a family business, there's family membership involved in that size of a business. Is that right? There is, and there's like you had you had mentioned earlier in in our segment here that it's not simply family members, but even if this the exit or the succession is being handed over to uh, capable managers within the company who aren't family right. members, there's a difference between owning a company and being employed by one. And then Absolutely of course right. when you add family members, right? And, and when you add family members, then there's that other. Uh, the whole other facet of the family interaction, the relationship interactions as well. It's like if you had a panel of toggle switches and you started toggling, you know, okay, how complicated is this situation going to be? Number one, I want to, I want to pass it on to people that don't have any money (laughs) to toggle that. Right. Number two, um, I have, I have a key employee or I have one key employee and that person's going to take over, toggle that switch. Now you have another switch that says I have more than one key employee and now I've got to figure out how they're going to deal, how they're going to manage the business together. And then you have the whole panel that's all family members and you start toggling a lot of switches and pretty soon the complexity level gets very, very difficult because you're dealing with more than what happens here at the office. It's When you get into the family situation, it, it becomes how do we keep happy Thanksgivings forever? Um, that's a very different scenario. But le- so let's just not fo- not focus so much on the family side of things because that's very complicated, as we all know. But let's get down right. into this. What are some of the common pitfalls that can undermine a successor's effectiveness in leading a company? Oh, good, good question, Bill. So, one of the challenges that that uh, a, uh, uh, an, an owner who's exiting needs to be mindful of is whether the successor will be making decisions and changes emotionally, in other words, to prove him or herself as the new owner, rather than making those decisions strategically. Because making a change for the sake of making the change often leads to bad results. So that's one pitfall that uh, is actually common. Another one and uh, we alluded to this a few minutes ago, is that when you think about it, the person who will be or the people who will be succeeding up to that point have been employees. And there's a tendency to continue to think like an employee rather than to think like an owner. So this is another pitfall. The the third, um, and this is just obviously true with family issues, is um, relying on family status to uh, garner trust and respect rather than actually earning it by their actions and words. So th- those are right. some common pitfalls. Obviously, there, there are many things involved in being an effective leader. Yes, 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 yes. And th- but those are huge. The ones that you, I'm just taking those in because those are huge, the ones that you just mentioned, especially the, uh, the thinking like an employee when it's time to think like an owner. And that can even affect the small business owner who's never had to, uh, who really is more of the operator, you know, they call them owner operators. They're really operating. Right. They're really the operator. They don't know how to think like just the owner. They wouldn't know if they, if they said, well, you can't work here on a day-to-day basis anymore. Now you're going to be the owner. 
I run into a lot of these, I'm sure you do, and they just go, well, what does that mean? What do I do with that? So for an employee who's been um, subject to someone else's authority uh, and they've never had you know, free range to do things, they, they really need to understand what that's all about. So how do you help them get there? Uh, a good observation, Bill. And believe it or not, that's it's actually very comparable to what happens in the corporate world when someone uh, is promoted up into an executive role. That they're mm-hmm. they're still thinking like a doer rather than a leader. And so, the question you asked is, how do you help someone tra- transition from thinking like uh, the person who's responsible for doing the work to someone responsible for leading the company? And uh, it, it clearly takes a shift in perspective. And uh, usually what, what I'll do is ask somebody if, if they're actually not responsible for doing the work, then what are they responsible for? And many times they can't answer that. And so you begin shifting how they view their their role because the tendency is to feel like if I'm not producing widgets, I'm not being productive. And as we know as an owner, that's not the case. Owners need to take a strategic perspective. They need to look at the bigger picture. They need to look at what's happening outside of their company. And uh, and when they realize that, that that's the bigger role uh, that they realize they don't know how to do it, number one, but now at least they're willing to go down that path. Yeah, it's changing from, uh, and I've used this example with, with business owners, it's if you're on a, a big ship, you're no longer in the engine room. Now you're the navigator. You're up top in the engine room, I mean, in the, uh, in the, where the steering wheel is, in the very top of the ship looking down the path. It's a very different role. You don't just get there um, overnight. It, it takes a lot of transition. And the same with, again, these successors. Uh, how far in advance should business owners be thinking about this? Uh, because, we, you know, we, we talk to a lot of baby boomer business owners who are, yeah, I don't know, the early 50s to the early 70s, and they're saying, you know, maybe five years out or five or ten years out, I want to be doing something different. Should they be thinking about this now as part of their uh, as part of their planning? Uh, I'm glad you asked that question, Bill. Uh, let, me, let me explain it this way. There's no such thing as leadership training. You can't train people to do this. It's a developmental process. It takes time. And, and situations have to arise and perspectives have to be changed. And so it absolutely takes, really it takes years to get there. Surely a, a year of, of a concentrated effort, of development effort. But it's not something you, you can give someone a book to read and all of a sudden right. they're a, a leader and, and an owner. So definitely they need to start grooming that person, not in the mechanics. See, here's the problem. Owners tend to groom their folks in the mechanics of the business. That's not the issue. The issue is the judgment and the strategic thinking. And the, the whole uh, perspective of being an owner rather than an employee, that takes time to shift because you, they, now they're dealing with their level of self-confidence, their, the interactions in the family, if it's a family issue, they're, they're dealing with uh, judgment, 
learning how to think correctly as an owner and being proactive rather than reactive. There's a whole slew of stuff that has to take place. I, I totally get what you're saying, and I think that I've seen situations, I'm sure you have too, where not only does the owner think all I have to do is give them the title and everybody's going to respect them or look at them differently, um, but they don't know they don't know themselves how to transition. So how are they going to pass that on to the next the next uh, line of successor management? And I think you know part of it might be. And let me ask you a question from your experience. There, there's probably behaviors that successors need to stop in order to successfully run a company. So let's talk about that. What do they need to stop doing as a successor? That's a good observation uh, because th- there are behaviors they need to stop and behaviors they need to develop. So the ones they need to stop, if you think about uh, the the role that they're leaving and then think about the role they're entering, typically they need to stop managing. It's not about managing activity. It's about leading people and, and like you said earlier, thinking strategically, looking into the future. So that's one behavior. Another behavior, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that, is they need to shift. They need to stop focusing on tactics and instead focus on strategies. So tactics are about how we're going to get something accomplished, where the strategy is actually the direction that those tactics should be taking them in. And it's a different mindset, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen, I've seen executives at all levels and all kinds of co- corporations and companies, not get that distinction. They need to stop thinking like we've talked about, like an employee, and, and adopt an owner's mindset. Uh, the other, the other, it's a really interesting dynamic that they have to stop. Typically, and in fact, I had a conversation with this about this with someone last evening that that successor needs to stop relying on the blessing of the owner. Mm-hmm. In other words, at some point they have to be confident enough that they got it right and not simply rely on the owner because otherwise they don't earn the, the trust and respect of, of their folks and the owner who is trying to exit actually can't extricate themselves. Right. Uh, and, and occasion, uh, right? Uh, Occasionally, uh, just a couple more things that I wanted to mention. Uh, they need to avoid or stop these any feelings of entitlement. Just because they're the family member does not make them in charge or earn them respect or trust. It doesn't work like that. And then the, the, the last one I wanted to mention, the sixth one, is that the uh, successors need to stop being reactive Many times employees are reactive. This happens, they know what to do. And instead, an owner needs to become proactive and anticipate things. That's great. That is a great summary of uh, very important transitional uh, activities that need to take place. And I can imagine, uh, if we're talking, number one, about things that, um, that successors coming up need to stop doing and start doing uh, very close to that is the things that the owner, the outgoing owner needs to stop doing. And, uh, you know, do you have a list like that for, for us or are we just talking about successors today? 
Uh, I'm, you know, I'm really glad you asked that. I hadn't planned on discussing it, but that is spot on. See, one of the challenges is that, um, as you know, owners are in charge, and they're used to having the buck stop with them. And the consequence is if they don't allow successors to make decisions, the successor doesn't learn how to make decisions. If the, if the owner doesn't allow a successor to make mistakes, the successor doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know the difference between a mistake, a bad call, and a good call. And so owners need to stop uh, holding everything tight to the vest, and they need to start mentoring and coaching the successor. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Right? Um, yes. I mean, it's really it's really about the owner giving up total authority. And, yes. Uh, you and don't I'll, just, add, I'll you, add. It's not a light I'll, switch. I'll add right? a little bit. Yeah. Exactly, and I'll add a little bit to that if I could. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's they've got to stop micromanaging and start dashboard managing. Well, you know, there's a transition period, right? I mean, all these all these owners that that are li- are listening to this and that that are out there that are saying. I want to be out of this thing. Well, you just said it. You want to be out of this thing, you got to start down the road to being out of this thing. And you need to stop micromanaging and start creating start dashboard management of your company and and think about how you're going to grow shareholder value uh, as the as the uh, outgoing CEO. What are you going to do to leave your legacy and grow your value? Sometimes you have to grow your value so that the company can afford to buy you out. Number 1. Yep. So there, there's a lot to that. No, no. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head on this thing. If they they keep, well, if they're micromanaging, it's a problem in and of itself. But yeah. if yeah. if if they're holding all the reins and they're keeping their thought process private and their judgment private and not developing the successor's judgment and thinking then they're undermining his success. And and as you know, the majority of these exits are self-funded. In other words, the, the company pays for the value out of future cash flow. And so it's no surprise that the studies have shown that 70% of exits fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. It's, you can you can maximize the value all you want, but if the successor doesn't run the company well, they can't afford the cash flow to pay it. That's the nightmare so. that uh, a lot of owners are concerned about. Is not only if they sell to let's it's the same if you sold to an outside buyer and they run the company into the ground, you get back your company as a shell. Nobody wants that. No, you know, nope. nobody wants that. And but but here, it's even worse because you're familiar with who your new buyers are. And so now it, it sets up this awkwardness that I turned it over to you and you ran it into the ground and now I'm back and, oh my gosh, that's just... It's, and then, again, toggle another switch. It's a family member. <laughs> you ruined mm-hmm. my retirement. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. it's I, a I, gave you a, it's I gave you a well-run company and you ran it into the ground. That's that's difficult. So it's really it's so, really very critical for... like. Oh, Sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, no. I was just going to say. So, so what you've developed is um, a, a coaching process. Uh, you've written a book 
called A Listening Excellence, Bringing Out the Best in People, so people can read about this. And that's available on uh, Amazon, iBooks, and Barnes and Noble, I see, which is great. And yes. then you also have a, a successor readiness assessment that people can take uh, at your website. And we'll get into that, and we'll also put the link. If you're listening to this, you'll f- find the link um, on our, our podcast website. So tell us a little bit about that. What, who should who should read the book? Obviously, everybody should read the book. It's a business owner. Who should take the successor readiness assessment? And should it be like anybody who um, – should the successor take it or should the owner take it, I guess, is my, my question. You know, I, I think either one, certainly the owner ought to, to take an, okay. uh, uh, not take the assessment, but essentially give the assessment. This assessment is a, a set of uh, questions, 28 questions that need to be asked. And they examine all the things that you brought up. They examine the the owner's role interaction with the successor that it examines the successor and how well they're prepared to become an owner and to make decisions. And, uh, it, it, it won't develop anybody, but it will give an owner. It'll give an advisor. If an advisor, uh, uses the assessment as a tool, it, it'll give anyone who's looking at this a sense of, is the successor really ready to take over or do they need development? And um, it's a great tool. I mean, uh, uh, so it's a diagnostic tool. When you take <laughs> look, when you take your car, you take your car in for service. The first thing they do is they hook it up to a diagnostic situation to see what are what are all the problems that are happening. What what are all the vital signs? So this is a diagnostic tool that owners can have their potential successors take. And then the and then uh, what happens? They get back a report of some kind, or they get in touch with you, or how do they? No, no, how do they work it's, after it's that? It's not it's not online at all. They, it's a downloadable PDF. They can take it. They can sit down with it and have discussions oh. between the owner and the successor. It's very easy to use. And uh, if you get into if you come to the conclusion that the successor actually does need development, then we've got a very comprehensive 360 leadership assessment that produces like a 40 or 50 page report and it gives us the insights to help that person be a rock star because I'll, I'll tell you what, and I'll bet you'll ex- echo this bill that in all my years of working with it, with owners and executives, I've never met one who thought they were a poor leader. Mm-hmm. No one yeah, says, you know, I'm a point. poor leader. They'll, they'll all say, well, you know, I, I can improve, but I, yeah, I think I'm pretty effective. And yet we all know that there are many poor leaders. And so an assessment like um, uh, not, not a self-assessment, but a 360 assessment is a great tool to, for someone to really get an objective view of how effective they are. That's great. And so tell us a little bit about your book, Eliciting Excellence, Bringing Out the Best in People. Best in People. Uh, yeah. I, um, it's a book I, uh, I published last year. It's a leadership book, and it's a book about, well, it's the concept that in order to be an excellent leader, it's about bringing out the best in people. Yes, it's important to make good decisions and be strategic, but if you've ever heard the expression, culture eats strategy for lunch, it's about about, uh, a good strategy will produce mediocre results if people aren't engaged in executing it. 
where the same strategy executed by a, a team of engaged folks produces spectacular results. And and the uh, the studies have shown that that difference in ROI can be literally two to threefold. And my perspective and the perspective in the book is that the way you get people engaged, the way you bring out the best of them is to be a great leader. And so the book goes through uh, several areas on how to be that great leader. And it's about managing ourselves. It's about managing uh the team and it's about managing the, uh, or leading ourselves, leading the team and leading the organization. And, uh, those are the areas of the book and there's some practical steps throughout the book. So it's, it's chunked down. So it's easy to read. Well, that's what our, our owners need is, is they need the information from people that are out there seeing it and doing it, helping people. And, um, and also, you know, succinct enough that you can get some actionable steps out of it and again just if you're if you're listening to this just go to school on being a better leader and planning your successor leadership because it will make all the difference in the world when that day comes when you're passing the baton to your company or it doesn't matter if you're passing the baton to those people. You could be saying, uh, you know, I want to sell the company, that one of the key things you're going to be looking at is who's next in line to run this thing. That's a key indicator from, from every M&A interview we've ever done, Michael, and, and everybody I've ever talked to. They say the, 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 uh, the two to three times weighted decision is going to be on who are your people and how capable are they to run this business. So thank you so much. I mean, it's been fascinating. I could go on for uh, much longer, and I hope we can talk again soon because it's been fascinating. I would love and that. I really wish you the best of luck. Now, your website is, is www.michaeljbeck.com, michaeljbeck.com, and your yep. email address is mbeck at michaeljbeck.com. Very simple. So for listeners, if you want to get that uh, uh, assessment tool, uh, we'll have the link on our website, or you can just simply email Michael at mbeck at michaeljbeck.com. And uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Fantastic. Thanks so much again for having me, Bill. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Michael. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. <laughs> 